I am very, very glad you're here. Hey, we're doing this series, uh, now third week, called The Big Ten, The Path to Spiritual Maturity. I've got a little flyer here, and this is not just a get it at church and throw it away, but this is the kind you put in your Bible, you put on your desk, and it sets a pattern for your spiritual involvement in the days ahead. Now, if you don't have one or if you lost it or want to get one for someone else, lift your hand right now and the ushers will help us out here. I want everyone to have one of these and uh, just lift your hand and they'll give you one and uh, we'll make sure that, uh, that you're there. But uh, uh, later on, I'm going to also give you something that I think you need to put in your Bible. Uh, this was in your bulletin today. It's a daily prayer guide. Uh, it's going to teach you how to pray. Uh, prayer seems simple, but it, 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 it's not quite as simple as it seems. And uh, if you don't have one of these, you can pick that up at the door on your way out. But uh, let's look. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, this big 10, it's about the power of daily disciplines. Everybody say disciplines. Plus spiritual experiences that help you grow spiritually. Now, the problem or the need, we see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul talked to the believers there. He said, I had to talk to you as though you were infants. Okay, now, I'm going to educate you once again. Whenever I do this, it doesn't mean my ears need scratching. I want you to interact with me and tell me what the scripture says, what's on the screen next. Okay, keep your hands lifted. They'll get you. So we'll try that one more time. You were Thank you so much for responding, 25% of you. You were infants. Come on, the rest of you. You were? Yeah, and babes in Christ. Now, he's talking to grown people, and he's saying, you're a baby. Why? Are you, you are still controlled by your sinful nature. Then he says, you're living like people of the world. So here's the deal. They were saved. They were Christians. But what they wanted to do, they didn't want to re repent and turn and follow the Lord and transform their lives. They just wanted to add Jesus onto the things that they liked to do. They wanted to go to heaven when they die, but they were still worldly people. And the impetus, impetus there is spiritual growth and maturity are the goal of the Christian life. And that's what this Big Ten Flyer is about, to help you grow if you'll implement these things. I've been pastoring 40 years. My father-in-law is here today. He trained me in the ministry in my early days, and uh, we learned these disciplines, and I've watched them over the years. If you put this in practice, I promise you will grow. But today we're going to look at number four, daily prayer and Bible reading. Now, if you uh, happen to be a Christian who uh, uh, rarely reads your Bible, I want you to tune in today and listen to me. Uh, if you're a Christian who reads most every day, I bet you I'm going to share some things that will help you even have a deeper and stronger walk with God. Uh, I believe the most important part to your spiritual maturity is what I'm going to call your God time. We can call it a daily devotion. We can call it a, a quiet time. But I'm calling it God time because daily time with God was the pattern of Jesus' life. How I many know if Jesus needed it, how much more do we need it? You, you see it here in Mark 1. Very early in the morning, everybody say morning. morning. Something about that. I'll come back to it. Jesus got up. He left the house, and he went to a solitary place. In other words, it was a private place with God, and uh, he prayed. 
Now, Jesus was fully God, but yet he was also fully man. And as fully man born of Mary, carrying the, the genes, the genetic code of the human being, he needed to connect with his God and his Father, and that's what he did. So the title is God Time, and the truth for today. Now, when I say truth for today, you see on the screen in the bottom left-hand corner, every week, it's, it's a sentence there. And what that is, is that's the one thing that I want to communicate in this 40-minute message. That's what I want you to walk away with. And today it's this, spending time with God every day in thanksgiving or worship. They're synonymous. Thanksgiving, Bible reading, and prayer is the foundation of the mature Christian life. And uh, so this is what we want to do today. First of all, we're going to talk about this idea of starting your day with God and then we're going to talk about the three things that, that compose it. What do I do if I'm going to give myself this time with God, thanksgiving and worship, Bible reading and prayer? Let's jump in together and, and talk about starting our day with God, which is the cornerstone of Christian maturity. Now, this scripture that I'll read to you is by David. David is described as, do you know what David is? He's a man after God's heart. In other words, he's someone that's not just going to church, not just doing the sacrificial system, but David loves God. And this is the heart of it. Notice what he said in Psalm 63. God, you are my God. I search for you. I thirst for you. Like someone in a dry, empty land where there's no water. Now, I want you to think about thirsting. I'm not thirsty right now. I've been drinking tea all morning, and I've been drinking. I've got drinking water up on the pulpit. I love to work outside and garden and work in the yard, but I don't like to do it in July and August. I don't like to do it in June because you're out there, you're hot, you're sweaty, and it's just something when you get tired, you want a cool drink of water. Well, what David is saying, I feel that way towards God. He said it again, Psalm 42, as the deer pants for a stream of water, this deer being chased by dogs or wolves, coyotes, her little tongue is hanging out wanting a drink. He said, my soul pants for you, my God. But then he says this, when can I go and meet with God? And that, friends, is the heart of this. Being a Christian is more than just going to heaven when we die. But we become a Christian, now listen, to have a personal relationship with God. And this is what we're talking about today. Uh, to know God, the most important thing we can do is to communicate with him. I'm going to tell you about the value of thanksgiving, Bible reading, and prayer. But how many know a marriage, for example? My wife is, and I have been married. She's not here. She's in Mexico preaching today. But 39 years coming up this April. That's a long time. Uh, Linnell and I know each other. I, I know her, and she knows me better than anybody else. There's some things that I won't tell another person, but I'll tell Linnell. I'll tell her when I'm afraid. I'll tell her when I'm hurting. I'll tell her when I have limitations. I, I just tell her things that I don't say to anybody else because we're close to one another. And we've learned each other's language. Uh, for example, I may have a bad few days and uh, my clothes may not make it to the closet. And, uh, uh, you know, I may walk through and say, boy, I hope the maid hurries up and gets here. No, I don't do that. But if I did, I'd get the look. Let me understand what the look is. I hang my own clothes up. Come on. But dishes while she's gone is a different story. I have learned something. 
God made the size of a dishwasher, the size of the sink and the counter, and the number of dishes in your cabinet to be the same. Well, it's true. All right. I don't know how we got off on that. But, but we're talking about when you spend time with God, you're going to find direction for decisions that you need to make. When you, find time, when you spend time with God, you're going to find peace. Come on, when your mind is troubled, you've got to go to surgery the next day. How many know every fear in the world has popped in your head? But time with God can give you a sense of peace, truth to live by. Uh, our world is confused. You won't find it on Good Morning America. You won't find it on Fox or CNN, the truth to live by. But you'll find it in God's Word. How many know these are things? We'll find strength when we're weak. When we just don't feel we can go forwards, you can be reading a portion of the Bible and you might find that God's just kind of there with you and confidence returns. Let me give you a couple quotes here about this quiet time. The first is from Billy Graham. Billy Graham, arguably the, one of the greatest spiritual leaders in world history, especially in America. Listen to what he said. Nothing will help us grow spiritually more than spending a time alone with God every day reading his word and praying. Time alone with God is essential to our spiritual welfare. Do you remember Isaac Newton, the guy with the apple and gravity? Isaac Newton was a physicist, an astronomer, an inventor, a mathematician, but he was also a godly man. Listen to what he said. Uh, Isaac Newton said, I have a fundamental... I have a fundamental belief in the Bible as the Word of God. Come on, scientists, what did he say? I read the Bible daily. I think it would help a lot of scientists today. Here's a, here's a cute one. This is anonymous. The Bible is meant to be bread for daily use, not cake for special occasions. But how many are honest enough to say, sometimes I really feel like reading the Bible and praying? I do. It's a joy. Other times I don't. Anybody join me and say that? Sometimes I just don't fit two honest people in this whole room. You know, you and I are either honest and they're liars or they're just this spiritual giants that just have this spiritual life that eclipses anything you and I might know. But, but for people like me, sometimes I don't feel like it. But listen, do it anyway. Do it anyway. 1 Corinthians 9 says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. And this, this is why we call it a spiritual discipline. Billy Graham understood that it's hard sometimes. Billy Graham again said, it's not easy to shut out the world and set aside a few minutes by yourself and spend time in God's word and prayer. But Billy Graham said, it's essential if we're going to grow in our relationship with God and be strengthened for the battles ahead. Listen now, don't delay, begin now. Everybody say now. To spend time alone with God every day. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. That is the way to live. All right, let's, let's go now into these three different areas of what, what I would do. If you're willing to set aside this 15, 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, it depends on you. You could have an hour if you're not busy, you don't have a lot of obligations. But what would I do? The first thing I think that's important is thanksgiving, and I use thanksgiving in worship as synonymous. Now listen to what David, again, the man after God's own heart, here's what he said. Enter God's gates, in other words, like come in the front door of God's house with what? Thanksgiving. thanksgiving. And come into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Uh, the second, Colossians, a New Testament, says devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. 
See, usually when we think about prayer, if we're going to go to prayer, we're going to say, oh, God, I got a test in a few minutes. Please help me. Oh, God, come on. There's no ducks flying. Would you please let some fly? I'm getting bored. But, but normally we think of prayer on that level. But I'm going to show you some things today. Uh, in my own personal life, well, well, let me ask you a question first. Uh, what, in terms of worship, Bible reading, or prayer, which one do you enjoy the most? All the worshipers, wave your hand to me. I enjoy that worship Thanksgiving part. Hey, a bunch of us. Uh, how about Bible reading? Who enjoys that the most? Now, that's mine. So, if, so a lot of people over here, not many over here, huh? Okay. Well, you and I are together. How about prayer? Who, who, who likes to say prayer is, is, is my niche? See, we're all different. And in my own life, what I do is I typically start out with Bible reading. I get up, I get my breakfast, I get at my little desk upstairs, I, I bring my Bible with me, and I start to read the Bible. And uh, 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 after I read my Bible, then I go to prayer. And when I go to prayer, that's when I start with thanksgiving. For example, yesterday I went duck hunting, 17 degrees, just to prove I could do it, and I did. But, but anyway, it was ice everywhere and weren't many ducks. We saw 15 ducks and, you know, that's not very many, but we shot four and I shot two out of three. I did good. You know, I was kind of proud of myself. And uh, the thing that I was most happy about is the uh, uh, little ranger machine started on time. We didn't have to walk home and, and, and it wasn't really a super great feeling, but I got home, and uh, when I got home, I, I was tired, and uh, I did some piddling around the house. I ate lunch, and before I knew it, I was asleep in the chair. But I had set my alarm early, 30 minutes, that I normally do to get ready for church on Saturday night, and I went upstairs and read my Bible. But when I started my prayer time, here's what I said. I said, well, thank you that I had a place to go this morning to hunt. Thank you that I had the, 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 the ability to go and hunt. Thank you, Lord, that we got a couple ducks. And most importantly, Lord, I'm glad that ranger started up and would crank so we wouldn't have to walk back home. And, and you say, well, why in the world did you do that? That's, what's, what's the big deal? It brings God into life. And it helps you recognize the hand of God in everyday life, and it gives you faith for the future. Now, that's huge. But, uh, but let's, let's talk now about uh, uh, reading our Bible every day. The Bible, another synonym, is the Scripture or Holy Scripture. And that's, you know, that sounds real kind of ethereal. But how about God's Word? If we call the Bible, as it calls itself, God's Word to us, it takes on a whole new meaning. How many know if the President speaks to us, how many know it should have significance? Uh, how many know if your CEO at work is going to talk to you about vaccine mandates, how many know that's a pretty important conversation to listen to? Well, this is a conversation that God wants to have with us, the creator of the heaven, heaven and the world. Um, I believe the greatest need in America, and particularly among Christians, is to know and follow the Bible, God's word. Now, in just a minute, I'm going to tell you the percentage of people, adults in America, that read the Bible every day, or most every day. But uh, let me ask you first, do we have any dentists or dental technicians here? Anybody in the dental field? Wave your hand at me. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay, thank God, no pain today. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but I did have a dentist last night, and I asked him, I said, Siri, we asked Siri, the technology goddess Siri, Siri, how many uh, uh, people floss their teeth every day? And, and she gave us two answers, 30 to 40%. And I asked the dentist if that was true, and he said, no way. 
But let's give Siri the upper hand on this. If it's 30, 40%, guess how many adults across America read their Bible every day or most days? You'll be shocked. One in six. That's 16%. Twice as many floss their teeth as read their Bible. Something's wrong. So why should we, why should we read our Bible daily? Now, if I've at least got your attention, let me try to give you some motivation now of what daily Bible reading could do. Because what I want you to see, you read your Bible for more than facts. I've talked to people before and they said, well, I read the Bible before. When did you read the Bible? Five years ago, I read it Genesis to Revelation, and I know it. This is not what I'm talking about. Um, why should we read our Bible? Three things. Number one, it helps us know the difference between right and wrong, between truth and lies. Second Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God. That God moved on these 40-some authors, these men, over several thousand years to write a consistent message. And the Word of God, God, God is in that. But listen to, listen to what it says. Scripture is inspired by God. It's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what's wrong. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. Now, if you have gone to college in the last several decades, you have learned falsely that there is no absolute truth. In other words, there is no moral absolutes that govern the world. You are God, and you can decide what's right or wrong in your life. And you notice our culture, how we kind of change over time. Right now, as a culture, we have still vilified pedophilia. And if you don't believe that, that, it's, that, that our culture thinks it's wrong to have, for older people to have sex with younger, look in our paper. There's a couple folks in there every day in court getting virtual life sentences. But there was an article in a leading newspaper in America a, a few days ago, and it basically tried to diminish the fact that it was wrong and tried to change the terminology and the world, rather than having an absolute standard, somehow begins to listen to it and empathize with it and those that have these, these feelings are victims. Maybe it's more clear this way when we talk about true and false. How about the whole transgender issue? The belief in America today that you can go on social media platforms and they give you 30 choices of which gender you are. I saw a law school recently gave seven or eight choices of what gender you are. Even now, our psychiatrists, they're changing this definition, but even now it's called gender confusion, gender dysphoria. In other words, we recognize, and do you realize the AMA, American Medical Association, is pushing to get sex at birth off the birth certificate? So the child can decide when they get later, when they get older. You realize today this is big, a big problem in America today. In America, the Ivy League right now in their swimming meets, in girls swimming, what they're finding is biological men who believe their women are competing and they're blowing them out of the water and winning everything. And the girls are saying, no fair. 
Science, science proves that, that male, he, that his body mass is greater. This doesn't mean men are better than women. It's just physically that there's a greater ability that he would have, and it's not fair to women. And isn't it amazing, 30, 40 years ago, the big cry in America was, let's elevate the role of women rightfully as we did. But now what we're doing transgender saying, forget about the girl swimmers. It's the transgender we push up. Wouldn't it make a whole lot more sense? If our starting place was God created us male and female, and if we stopped with all this craziness and rather than pushing people forwards in it, tried to help them figure out their God-given gender and no longer be confused and be happy who God made them to be. Come on, give the Lord a good hand now. So... That's the first one, right and wrong. It has to do with truth and lies. And no, I do not hate transgender people. Every time one who's noticeable come to church, I go out of my way to greet them and if appropriate, hug them and tell them I hope they come back again. Now, uh, the second reason we'd read the Bible is, and, and listen to this, God speaks to us through the Bible. Now, this is huge, this idea of God speaking to us. Hebrews 4.12, and when I say God's word... There's two Greek words for the word, word. One is logos, which is the written word of God. And one is rhema, which means a now word, where the Holy Spirit might... Hey, ever read your Bible and it just felt like a verse jumped off the page? Well, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God speaking to us specifically through, through the scriptures. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is alive and active. He goes on to say, it penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit. It judges the thoughts and attitude of our hearts. Think about this. It's alive. It penetrates. It judges. What, what does that mean? God's word somehow has the power to speak into the recesses of our heart and soul. This happened to me. The most profound time that it happened was after my wife, Linnell, was diagnosed with breast cancer a number of years ago. She's cancer-free. But those first 10 days, we didn't know what to do, where to go for treatment, should we get treatment, what should we do, and mass confusion was ruling. I was reading one morning, not asking God about Linnell, I was just reading as a disciplined reading, and in a strange place, back in 2 Samuel 18, if you remember the story there where David's son Absalom had killed, had been killed or killed himself, uh, 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 and somebody comes back and brings the news, his name is Ahimez, he cries out to the king, all is well. Well, that didn't have anything to do with cancer, but it was like those words leapt off the page, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, she's going to be okay. Where you're planning to do is the right thing to do. Come on. I'm, listen, I can do miracles, but I can do miracles through doctors, and I can do miracles through medicine. I'm the source of all that's good. And you know what? After that, it all lifted, and we knew she was going to be okay. God, we need that, friends. And here's a third one. The reason I want to read my Bible is the Bible can help us make everyday decisions that's going to benefit us and please the Lord. Listen to Psalm 1. Who wants to be happy? Okay, all you sad sacks out there. <laughs> Give me a big old frown. No, okay. If you want to be happy, don't listen to the wicked. <laughs> don't go where sinners go and don't do what evil people do. Then what do I do to have fun? <laughs> Glad you asked. They love the Lord's teachings. And they think about those teachings day and night. 
So wouldn't it have been, now listen, that, that, that testimony, she's on the front row over here. Didn't she do a great job in that testimony today? We are so proud of you because you're speaking to and directly to hundreds of us. But I guarantee you, if she could relive her life, she would have preferred now, looking back, to have obeyed God's word rather than let her hormones take over. Come on now. Because it would have kept her in a happier place. See, this is the advantage of it. Now, uh, now let me give you something real practical before we move to prayer. How do we read the Bible in our quiet time? If I've got you convinced you need to do it, uh, how do I do it? First of all, find a quiet place. Uh, you don't need to read your Bible when the kids are watching, you know, rock em, sock em on television and, and, you know, the dog is running through the house. You need a quiet place and preferably the same place every day, the same time. But now listen to this. You need to minimize distractions. I got real convicted the other day because my cell phone is near my Bible when I read my Bible. And you know these important messages come up and I tell God, wait just a minute, a telemarketer is talking from, to me. Just a second. Well, even if it's your wife or your boss, come on. When you're talking to God, turn the cell phone off and let it be quiet. Be still and know that I'm God. And here's another one that I say. How, well, how do I read and where do I read, Pastor? Well, there's two ways to do it. One, one is you can, just, you can do this. You can just say, okay, Lord, where do I read today? Judas went out and killed himself. Go thou and do likewise. I, I don't think that's bit. Now, let, let me say this in all seriousness. I do believe the Holy Spirit guides us oftentimes where to read. And when he does, you need to zip there. But you also need a reading plan to help you be consistent for the whole Bible. Otherwise, if it's me, I'm just going to read Psalms and Proverbs <laughs> and the words of Jesus. You need to read through the whole Bible. Let me show you our little Bible plan. It's on the phone app, and I think we've also gotten written copies. Come on, show me quick here. I'm running out of time. Uh, there's the app on the left side there. Bottom right is Bible Guide. And here you can see on the right, it's the day of the month. And it's, it, right now we're doing Proverbs, which you can start the Proverbs challenge with us today. Today, I read this morning before church, Proverbs 23. So you just start with that and tomorrow's 24. But every day, it's a systematic way to read through the Bible. Now, let me say this, number three, and then I'm going on. Use a good study Bible. Because the Bible was written not first to us. Now, it's a, it applies to us. But it was written to people thousands of years ago. It was written in languages that we don't understand and written to uh, uh, in cultures that were different from ours. So you need a Bible scholar, men who, and women who study this stuff, to help us make the connection. And what a good study Bible will do. For example, there's many of them that are, that are out there. But my all-time favorite in life is called the Spirit-Filled Life Study Bible. It, it is the greatest Bible as far as giving preeminence to the Holy Spirit in terms of being active in the church today. Very scholarly, and we normally have them available. for We sell them at cost, but they're on a slow boat from China. They'll be here. But, 
But this is what, what you do. When I start a book of the Bible, I, 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 I read, you know, sometimes the author, when it was written, the background is real important. It's just like reading a textbook at school. You look at the outline and it gives you a sense. Uh, this Spirit-Filled Life Bible has something called word wealth, where it defines words. Uh, that's something that I, that I, uh, one reason I recommend it. But another thing I do is I always use these three pens when I read. Now, if I don't interact with the Bible text, my mind will wander, wander sometimes. I know you don't. But I've got a pen, and anytime I, I, I see a phrase that really speaks to me, I bracket the phrase. And you, you can even see here, I've got some writing on top there. Uh, I, I read, a man who finds a wife finds a treasure. He receives favor from the Lord. So I just referenced it with a B up there, and I wrote my wife's name, Linnell, in hopes that she'll read it one day and I'll get brownie points. <laughs> no, it, it, it speaks to me. And if God is speaking to you, so I use that one. And then I use a green one and, and, and a pink one. And it doesn't matter the color, but use a Bible marker. It's a crayon because just yellow markers will bleed through your pages. And if it's a really cool verse, if the whole verse is just a wowzer, I hit the number in green. And if it's key words, I hit them in, in pink. And what it does is it helps me engage the Bible. And then after I've read the chapter, I'll go back and just read my highlights. But, but that, that helps me, and I hope it'll help you. Now, let me shift to the second part. Not only do we offer thanksgiving and worship, read our Bible but we pray every day. Now, Daniel chapter 6, verse 13, uh, you know the story of Daniel there. He's a godly man. Uh, it was a little manipulation. The king made a law that nobody should pray to any god but him, a false god. And Daniel still prayed to his god three times a day. Now, I'm not asking for three times a day. Listen, if, if we can all just get one good time a day, pray over our food and pray over a crisis or a need, I think we're doing good. But, but let me tell you why prayer is so important. And this first one, I think, is real. Prayer humbles us because it makes us look to God and not just ourselves for everything. Is what you're able to do, I don't care if you're a roofing contractor, a doctor, a business person, a computer expert, is what you're able to do because of your skill and ability? Or is it because God gave you that skill and ability? You know, you may think that you're great on that computer and you can fly. What if you lost dexterity in your fingers? What if you had an accident and couldn't use your fingers? How about if you lost your ability to see and you lacked eye coordination? You know, I have a dear friend who's a surgeon, and in the middle of the surgery, he had some affliction hit his body, and he couldn't even finish the surgery. All I'm saying is prayer makes us look to God and not just ourselves. And you know what that produces, don't you? Humility. Here's the second thing, and this is a big one. Prayer is how God speaks to us. Now, prayer is not just a monologue talking to God. The Bible says God knows our needs before we ask. Prayer is a dialogue where God might speak to us. And let me tell you, that is not weird. That is normal. But it, I have seen weird people with this God speaking to me thing. For example, let's say you're going to go to the grocery store. Now, not a bad idea to say, okay, Holy Spirit, is it Super One or is it Walmart or is it Albertsons? Okay, that's fine. But when you get there, I don't know that you have to say, Holy Spirit, is it the jalapeno aisle or the Trisket aisle? 
Holy Spirit, is it bananas or is it kiwis? If you do that, they will call security. Now look, that can be weird, but I fully believe that you could get there and the Holy Spirit could say, talk to that lady over by the vegetable, she's about to commit suicide. Sure. So there, there's a, there, this, is, this is vital. Ephesians 6.18, now listen to this. Pray in the Spirit at all times. Now, if you can pray in the Spirit, how many know you can also pray out of the Spirit? Which would probably be just our desires. Pray in the Spirit. Now, listen to this. Stay alert. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. What are you staying alert for? The definition means that you're looking out or you're watching. You're watching for God to speak to you. Uh, one translation, uh, it just knocked the ball out of the park. It said, remain sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Keep on listening to God's Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, prayer is one powerful way it happens. Uh, here's the third thing. Uh, petitions in prayer are deliberate invitations for God to move in our situation. Have you ever considered if you don't pray, God might not do it? I pray before I go duck hunting every time. <laughs> I say, Lord, thank you for letting us do this. Let us be safe. Uh, and oh, by the way, it'd be real nice if we got a bunch of ducks and, and, and I, I shot pretty good today. Now, sometimes it's answered the way I prayed and sometimes it's not, but I, I want to take every chance that I can. But let me give you this last one. Prayer gives us hope that change is possible in difficult situations. If you had a loved one in the hospital and the doctor said, there's no medical hope, all you can do is pray. Well, listen, why wait to the end to pray? But what I'm telling you, even secular people realize prayer is a, is a, is a, is a ray of hope from heaven. Yeah. Uh, now, let me tell you just a couple extra things here. I start my day. Here's how I, here's how I start my day. Whatever time I get up. If it's 5 o'clock for duck hunting or if it's 6.30 or 7 for work, I start my day. I get out of bed and I go right to my knees. And that's not because I fell out of bed. I go to my knees for about 20 seconds. And all I say is, Lord, thank you that I'm here today. I can't make my day without you. I give you my day. And that's not my prayer time, but that helps me starting with God, not starting with the newspaper or not starting with Good Morning America. I start my day with God, uh, 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 and, and it's rich. And let me say this to you, too. A disciplined daily prayer life is particularly important if we're successful. Because if you're here today and you're successful, if you have health and money or credit, you can live like you don't need God. And can I tell you, friend, you'll wake up one day. Listen, when you're in trouble, it's easy to pray. You get a phone call and say your kids just had an accident, it's easy to pray. But when things are rocking and rolling, you, it's easy not to pray. And you can just kind of assume that uh, it's rocking and rolling because of me. And you've forgotten about God. And one day he's going to shake the tree. Come on now. All right. Let me wrap up here. Uh, how should we pray? If you're going to give yourself anywhere from 5 to 15 or an hour to pray, what do you do? Now get my ladder going here. I'm going to illustrate the Lord's Prayer. Now look at me. Look with me now. Matthew chapter 6 Jesus said, when you pray, what do you do? Go into your room, which implies that solitary place. Shut the door and pray to your father in the 
secret place, okay? He's not saying public prayer is wrong, but you need to have private prayer. And then Jesus said this, in this manner, pray. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you a prayer guide. And that was that in your bulletin today. I would keep this in my Bible and learn this because I pray this thing, the, the essence of it, every day. I have learned it. It's in my heart. I don't need to look at the paper anymore. If you don't get one, pick it up on the way out. But uh, I'm going to illustrate it. It's the, that's it. It's the Lord's Prayer. Uh, could you bring it a little closer? The ladder. Could you turn it a little bit? Too far? Thank, thank you. Could you bring it a little closer? Too much. Back? That way, just to, okay. give him a big hand. Didn't he do a good job? I don't need your help. Get out of the way. I got up yesterday morning at 17 degrees and stood in the water. What did you do? Sleeping. Okay. Here's, here's, here's my point I'm going to make. When you see on the Lord's Prayer six steps, they're phrases. And I want to suggest to you each step is a phrase in your prayer because if you don't have a structure to you, your prayer, probably what you'll do is, God, I need some money. God, I don't feel good. God, help me, and God bless everybody. This will help you pray God's way. And I want you to listen to what he says. Look at the first one. I'm going to call this step worship and reverence. And this is from the New King James. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, which we don't say that, holy be your name. In other words, this is reverence. This is your thanksgiving time. This is my worship time. This is where I start out, started out and said, Lord, I want to thank you that there were 15 ducks. I want to thank you that I got four. I want to thank you that our ranger cranked up. But seriously, on a daily basis, I thank God for my family. I thank God for issues in our life. I thank God for food. And what it's doing, my faith is already rising. But I want you to see the second step. And this is huge because it's not about us. This is the prayer that a mature Christian would pray. Advancement of God's kingdom in every area of life. Say it with me, verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, you can, take, you can spend all the time you have right here because here's what you're praying about. God, I want to start and say, let your will be done in my life today. Let it be done in Linnell's life, in John's life, in Brittany's life. Lord, I want to pray for our church as we're building that playground now. Please God, the whole process. Lord, I want to pray right now. America is sending technology over to Ukraine. Help us not get in a war with Russia. I mean, you can pray about anything that's going on at that point. Let God's will be done but it's huge but number three what is number three it's for give us this day our our daily bread this is where you pray for personal needs and this is not just money it's not just food but lord god i've got an appointment today with a client that's a really big one and i need your favor lord i got a big a test today and if i fail it i'm gonna have to retake i'm gonna have to retake the class you can pray about anything for yourself that's on there that's a real big one look at number four um one, two, three, four. Forgiveness. And this is the last step I'm going on. Let me just add a curiosity. How many spend time on this top step very much? Climb all the way to the top. Let me see your hand. Yeah, wave your hand at me. Okay, okay. What hospital do you like? 
Okay. All right. Well, this is as high as I'm going. But, but you get the picture. Forgiveness. Ask God, forgive us for our debts or our sins as we, in the same way, we forgive people who sin against us. This is big because right after the Lord's Prayer, he says, if you forgive men their sins, God will forgive you. And if you don't, he won't. Which is simply a reminder of righteousness and holiness. We don't have to beat ourselves up. When the Holy Spirit convicts us, we ask for God's forgiveness and we ask him to help us have the grace to repent. Now, number five is huge, spiritual warfare. Say it with me. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What does that mean? Satan is out and about. He is out to get you. He's out to stop you. He's out to hurt you. He's going to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, take some time. The Holy Spirit might reveal temptation as it comes to you, but spend time there. And, uh, and, and that's what Jesus said basically is the pattern of prayer. And then the last one, I'm going to go back to where I started. Uh, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, if you have a newer translation, uh, it may not have that, or it might have it in italics. Let me tell you why. Uh, King James was translated in 1611 from what's called the Textus Receptus, or the Received Text, which in their day was the best collection of manuscripts, ancient biblical manuscripts. But since that time, in these 300 years, other biblical manuscripts have been found, the Dead Sea Scrolls found in 1948. And what we found now, we have a greater collection of ancient manuscripts, and sometimes in very small ways, there's disagreement in the manuscripts. Nothing that affects major doctrines but you might notice in your Bible something in italics or like that little phrase that's not there it's simply because the translators you know went with it with a different manuscript so it doesn't shake our faith but just so you'll know that but that's the way I pray and what I do when I'm praying it builds my faith to you belong the glory and the power you're strong you're able to do these things that I've asked today and I give you praise come on give the Lord a good hand today You get that handout if you don't have it now, but I promise you, it will help you. I use this pattern if I've got five minutes to pray, 15 minutes or longer. Let me conclude with this now. Being a Christian is more than just doing religious things. Usually if people are asked the question like, uh, well, describe your faith. Well, I go to church uh, I'm a tither, I'm in a small group, and I serve in the coffee bar. Well, those are all great things, but they're not the main thing. Listen to what Paul said. You know, I've been closing the same way the last, this is our third week in the series. Last week, by the way, we talked about salvation. And we really got into it and asked the question, how do we know if we're really saved? If you have questions, you might go and, and, and peek at that. But we read what Paul said. And I want to go up a verse, and I've not read this one yet. But what Paul did is he gave his religious pedigree. He said, I am a Jew born of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I've been a Pharisee all my life. I've lived by the strictest interpretation of the law of Moses. He even said, I persecuted the church. I had this great religious pedigree. And then he writes this verse. It's all worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord in other words what he's saying is all the other things are good to do but there's one thing that's most important to do and that is growing in your relationship with God to know Jesus in a more vital way 
And the way you do that is through your God time. Every day, taking some time to thank him, to worship him, to read your Bible, to pray. I promise you, you will grow spiritually. It is, in my opinion, the most important thing that you can do to grow as a Christian. You'll find that it makes a difference. Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand today. He's worthy of our praise. I want you to stand to your feet. And don't turn off just yet because I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to God, not to me, but a commitment to God about your devotion time. Let me remind you, too, if you were particularly touched by that video that was there and you just feel like you want to maybe do something, uh, those tables by the doors, the front entrance, uh, there's two of them that has to do with ministries that are doing foster care. Uh, there's several that have to do with helping moms in a crisis pregnancy, others helping babies uh, that have been born. And uh, uh, why don't you come on up here? My name, my, I just had a, a blank. Come on up. My name, my name, uh, uh, name knower went blank. Come on up here. And forgive me, Miss Knox, Samantha Knox. <laughs> Samantha has a ministry in the church, and she's recruited about 10 ladies, and it's called Wellspring. Uh, this is going to be awkward, but could you just tell them in my microphone what you do? Uh, we want to help women and men that are in crisis pregnancy situations so they run to the church first instead of running to the abortion clinic. She'll be at that back table. Don't send that picture to my wife. Seriously, I, I want you to make a commitment now to the Lord before you go. I want you to bow your head about your God time, about your quiet time, about when you're going to do it, where you're going to try to do it. And I don't want you to feel condemned if you miss it. If you miss it today, don't worry about it. Get, start back the next day. The object is not perfection, but the object is that you're going forwards. Lord, I ask you to bless all of us, and we want to ask the Holy Spirit to help us. It's like Billy Graham said, it's not always easy. But it's the most important thing we could do. And every one of us wants to be a part of the 16% that have God time every day instead of being the 84% that don't. Help us, Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's close this way. We're going to have one last closing song, and if you can hang out till it's over, we'd appreciate it. But I'm going to ask our prayer team to come back to the front, and they're going to be here to pray with you if you have anything you want to, or talk to someone. In the middle of the service, there's not much time, but right now you can talk to someone if you need to talk to someone, a little spiritual counsel. But let me also ask this, and, and, and let, look at me eyeball to eyeball just a second. You can come on up in front. Do you have a personal relationship with God? Because you can't grow in your relationship with God if you don't really have one. And there's a starting place for becoming a Christian. For me, it happened on August 15th, 1976. You say, how do you remember that? I was there and it changed my life. I was raised in church, but raised in church won't get you to heaven. But I remember the very day, if I can depict it this way, that cross represents Christ 
and here's how we're born. The Bible says we're born with sin in our heart, rebellion, and we're walking away from God, not towards God. And every once in a while we look back when we're in trouble and we recognize God, we see God, we can go to church and talk to God, but we've never committed our life to Him. We've never received Him as our Savior and we're pretty much doing our own thing. But what happens when we decide to become a follower of Christ? We turn, we ask for God's forgiveness and we commit our life to follow Him. Maybe that's the defining moment you need Maybe you're old enough to realize that what you've been doing for happiness is not working. Something is missing, and you need a vital relationship with Christ. This is the way it starts. When we begin to sing this song, I'm going to encourage you to do something very bold, to make a public confession. Slip out of your chair and come over to the cross, whether it's the first time or maybe you've gotten away from God and you want to come back. But we would be honored to pray with you, number one, but number two, we want to give you something that's going to help you in your spiritual journey. So uh, let's go ahead and begin to sing. Uh, Brother Ron, why don't you go on over to the cross? One of our elders, or actually Cole is over there. And uh, if people come, we'll be able to pray for you. I love you. Thanks for coming today. Come on, let's sing this out together. Because he lives. down front. If you need prayer for anything at all, we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. Uh, we're going to hang out a bit longer and uh, worship if you'd like to hang out with us. But for everyone else, you can be dismissed at any time. And we just pray that you have a blessed day today.